Welcome to Terror at Collinwood. I can't wait for you to hear today's episode featuring Nick Caputo and our conversation and celebration of supporting characters in Dark Shadows. So many wonderful minor characters in the show or supporting characters in the show who added so much and Nick added so much to this episode of the podcast. It was really fun talking to him. Before we get to that, I want to let you know that Johnny D and the Moonlighters, the band that performs the opening theme to the podcast, the, the surf rock cover of Robert Cobert's Dark Shadows theme, a surf rock version that you might hear at the Blue Whale on the jukebox. Johnny D and the Moonlighters did that. They have a Facebook page, and I encourage you to go like that Facebook page if you are on Facebook. I will put a link to the Facebook page in the show notes. Johnny D and the Moonlighters did such a sensational job on the theme song. So if you enjoyed it, I hope you will go tell Johnny D how much you enjoyed it on their Facebook page. So check it out. Terror at Collinwood. I am your hostess, Danielle, a.k.a. Penny Dreadful, and I am thrilled to have my guest here today. I am joined by Nick Caputo, who is a writer and blogger, an expert on the legendary Steve Ditko, co-creator of Spider-Man and creator of Doctor Strange. Nick has written for 75 years of Marvel from publications such as The Golden Age to the Silver Screen and The Stan Lee Story, published by Tashin Books. Nick wrote captions, biographies, provided research for the 1960s and early 1970s period, and was an editorial consultant. His articles and essays have appeared in Alter Ego, Jack Kirby Collector, Ditko Mania, Comic Book Artist, Comic Book Marketplace, Jack Kirby Quarterly, Robin Snyder, and Fantacle Publications, and Marvel's Omnibus and Masterworks Collections. He also wrote a great piece on Jonathan Frid and Dark Shadows uh, on his blog, and you can find him at nick-caputo.blogspot.com. And welcome to the show, Nick. Well, thank you, Danielle. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's great having you here. Finally, uh, we've we've corresponded quite a bit over the last couple of years. You know, we've written back and forth over email, and um, gosh, it's been uh, almost a year since you suggested a great topic for an episode, which was um, supporting characters in Dark Shadows. There's so many. I mean, so many of the key players are so memorable and beloved to this day, but also Dark Shadows often featured these great supporting characters who would maybe be on for three episodes, five episodes, and were also so memorable and left a great impression, great actors. And it was such a great uh, topic that I asked you to to join me for, for the show, And but it's been, it's been so long, so I do apologize for taking <laughs> That was so very long. kind of you. No, uh, in my <laughs> comic book uh, work, uh, research, I always like to dig into the things that don't get as much attention. So that's always, 
that's kind of my my forte, you know, instead of just talking, even though I talk about Steve Ditko, who's well known, I uh, used to usually go into uh, his more obscure work, you know, not just talking about Spider-Man or Doctor Strange. He did so much other oh, things. Sure. Yeah. And uh, he did a lot of mystery and fantasy and science fiction work. And I like to delve into that more. And I do that with most of the comic book research that I do. Yeah. Uh, and I was I was listening to you on um, on another podcast, and they were they were talking about uh, Steve Ditko, and you were you were offering a lot of great insights, uh, and you were friendly with him, like you corresponded with him on a regular basis, didn't you? Uh, yes, within the last uh, like ten years or so, yeah. before he passed, I started to uh, write to him. You know, yeah. eventually, I know he doesn't. He didn't do uh, you know he didn't take phone calls. He didn't want to be bothered in that way, but he loved. He wrote back to everybody that wrote to him. That was just as he was a person of letters, you know? Yeah. Enjoy yeah. that aspect. If you wrote him, even if it was something silly, he would he would answer you back. You just felt it was the thing to do. And yeah, you know, I'd write him about two weeks later. I'd get a letter back, usually two or three pages, handwritten. <laughs> uh, and I wrote by hand, too, the same way, back and forth. And it was great, you know? Yeah. And you didn't push the guy. You got a lot more out of him and, you know, respected him and discussed his work instead mm-hmm. of talking about his personal business, which was not something he wanted yeah Uh, and i respected that you know a lot of fans didn't they just wrote to him and asked for things you know original artwork signatures all of that and i didn't i didn't go in that direction so i was pleased to do that and uh and that podcast was fun yeah thank you yeah and dark shadows i think shares a kinship with comics in a lot of ways uh just sort of the i don't know in in the, the serialized narrative and just the you know i think because it's a horror fantasy kind of uh show oh, it has that 100 percent, daniel i was yeah. taking some notes before and telling one of my friends about it because he didn't follow the show but mm-hmm. he's into comics and i said you know as a kid and i think uh one of your guests mentioned it or the uh, that other uh, podcast that just started which is really good oh yeah alan's podcast i just really had him good. on uh, really yeah call sport after dark yeah yeah i love that yeah uh, he's great yeah i forget who mentioned it but they they uh they met they were comics fans too and they said it's, it's such a connection as a kid, read mostly Marvel comics, me and my older brother, John, and, you know, and watched Dark Shadows almost every day. And uh, the connection is there. They were both serialized. Almost every Marvel comic was continued next month. There were cliffhangers, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes in Dark Shadows, there were literal cliffhangers, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you had uh, the interaction of the characters. You had the fantasy. You had the time travel. You had uh, imagination, Fantastic Four would travel to different worlds, and you know it was just there was a lot of connections between that and the creative people that that, uh, that did Dark, that produced Dark Shadow. So I think that appealed to me very much, still does. Yeah, and uh, you know I think that was the connection. A lot of people enjoy the comics and sort of that. Of course, we had all the famous monsters and all the other books. Anything sure. with Dark Shadows in it, we purchased if we could. Absolutely. I bought the gum cards. Yeah. I was just talking about the gum cards and unfortunately I didn't keep them all. I was mm-hmm. telling them the story of me and my friends used to go buy them and collect them all. And they were nickel each, whatever they were back then. And we went to one of our local candy stores and we bought the last packs. And my friend Joe goes, why don't you ask them for the box? And I go, yeah, okay. You know, what are they going to do? They throw it out. You know, so I took the box. I had it for a long time, lost it in, in traveling and uh. moving. And I'm like, could you, you know how much that's worth? You know, yeah. it, was, it was so rare. That was garbage. Those boxes go for big bucks now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I had it one time, you yeah. know. 
there so. are reproductions out there which look look great but it's nice to have the original uh there are i have some of the original cars that i picked up the, the conventions here and then but don't yeah. have them all yeah my uh my uncle gave me all that was my actually the first visual of dark shadows i had in the in the 70s wow. was uh you know mid 70s my uncle uh, Valdemar gave me his gum cards and mm-hmm. his famous monsters, 59, which I remember with the Basil Gogos cover. Those yep. were my, that was like the first, and he would tell me all the stories about Dark Shadows and stuff. Wow. But those cards, I kept them for years, but my mother threw them away. Uh-huh. <laughs> he gave me his Lost in Dark Shadows, Lost in Space, the Monkey. Right. Lots well, of. Really I'd buy cool them all, yeah. I yeah, bought the Monkey cards. Yeah. And I would buy the ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. In the 70s, too, I would buy all the ones that were coming out then, too, like the Incredible Hulk and geez, Charlie's Angels, Star Wars. Yeah. And I just had them all. I had all those cards and my my mother threw them out. But I recollected them over the years. I was able to get a complete set of the Dark Shadows cards. Um, just quickly going back to comics and that, that kinship, there are a lot of comics creators who are fans of Dark Shadows, too, and were at the time and still are, like Don Glute, who I was mm-hmm. a legendary uh, writer. You know, I've had him on the podcast, but Richard Howell, too, right. was a very well-known Dark Shadows fan and d- did some very prominent comics work uh, and would throw in references to Dark Shadows. And even Stan, I don't know if Stan Lee was a Dark Shadows fan. He was aware of it. I don't think he was, a, he probably didn't follow anything. Yeah, but he, he did for a reference. Popular culture, you know. Yeah, you mentioned in your blog, you know how Stan Lee threw in a reference to Barnabas and a yeah. issue of Fantastic Four in 1970. <laughs> yeah, he was really up to date with it. He knew what was going on. So he had a, he had an eye for that. But I'm yeah. sure he didn't follow. But Roy Thomas, who was the uh, the other the writer editor at Marvel mm-hmm. uh, and wrote most of the comics that Stan was writing in the 60s, he definitely was a Dark Shadows fan. He told us in conventions and in interviews that he would literally, he worked at home a couple of days a week. He was freelance. Uh, Whenever he was home, he took the phone off the hook yeah. so he could watch the show. Uh, <laughs> literally for that half hour, everything stopped. So he would be a great uh, guest to have on. He's uh, yeah, I think he was talking about the- Dark Shadows. He did the didn't he do the Darn Shadows spoof? Oh, he did the Darn Shadows. Yeah, spoof. he was and also he, created- he wrote. Doctor Strange for many years. So and created Morbius. You know. he, I think he was on uh, he was on the Collinsport Historical Society podcast in ah, one of their, their episodes okay. a while back years ago. I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, but I remember the darn shadows uh, spoof where they tried. That to was do their, great. Yeah, it, that was great. Severn yeah. drew that. That was really, really uh, great. I remember that cover when it came out. That was just <laughs> wow. He was on it. We were in this issue. You know, My, it was a great the Mod yeah. Squad and uh, Dark oh, yeah. Shadows. Yeah. My uh, favorite panel in that is uh, Barnabas holding this giant book and he's trying to come up with ideas to to get the ratings up and it just says, <laughs> you know, 101 horror plots or plagiarism for fun and profit. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. But yeah. no, he loved the show. And uh, that's how we followed it back then. You couldn't tape it, the videotape. Yeah. You know, today you could re- mm-hmm. you have all these options back then if yeah. you missed it. Yeah. That was it, as my brother was a running joke now, because, you know, I watched the uh, show almost every day. But, you know, sometimes there was some Dolce episodes or whatever. And I have the latest issue of The Hulk. I want to read them. And he's yeah. sitting there yelling at me. He's like, Put the book down. He says, you'll always have the comic. You'll never see this again. Yeah. Like, well, you were wrong there. Little did he know. Little did he know. It took a while, but it finally came. came um, did, did you, um, so how did you first discover Dark Shadows? How did you get into it? Well, thanks to my uh, cousin, Marianne, who was, she knew my brother was into all horror related stuff and monster movies and everything. And I guess she, you know, she took notice of it first. She told us there's this show with a vampire on and, you know, uh, and he started watching it. 
I'm younger than him. I started following him, watching it. I don't know exactly when I started. I think it was probably during the 1795 period. I do recall some things are just vivid. Two, the two vivid memories I have that I could say definitely from the original show was uh, when uh, Trask was walled up. <laughs> that had an effect on, on you, obviously. <laughs> and when uh, Barnabas got into the, the accident and he goes into the hospital and uh, Dr. Lang says, you know, where are you? And he says, where am I? And he says, what time is it? And he says, it's three o'clock or 3.30 in the afternoon. And he opens yeah. up the blinds. Yes. Like starts screaming. I remember yeah. that visually, you know. Yeah. So those are the, so around that, and then we started following it constantly, you know. Yeah. And your friends uh, were, were watching it as well? Quite a few. Quite a, not everybody, but a lot. You know, most mm -hmm. of my friends were watching the show. You, you grew been into it as much as me. My brother, like I said, followed it. Yeah. And it was it was huge, you know, just a you, huge phenomenon. You grew up in New York, right? Uh, Brooklyn, yep. In New Brooklyn. York. Did Brooklyn. you ever go to go to the studio when they were taping? Didn't go. My cousin Jack went to the studio once. Yeah. He was older than me. Uh, he made it down there. He said it was a lot of fun to see uh -huh. the insides of the studio. I made a lot of later on conventions in New York. We went to a lot okay. of conventions. Got yeah. to meet Fred. Spoke to him once or twice. Yeah. Very nice guy. Yeah. Uh, pleasant to talk to. And a lot of fun, you know. Mm -hmm. One thing yeah. people don't forget, the sense of humor didn't come out much in the show, but he really had a good sense of humor. When he he really did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he could laugh. And but the nicest guy, I would say, in that group is, yeah. is David Selby. Oh, David He's just Selby. such a nice, warm person. He is. I just had him on for the 55th anniversary of Quentin's first appearance, wow. which I'm going to post uh, Saturday. Um, oh, and great. Yeah. And he, uh, it was just a joy talking to him. He was so, he's so nice. He's just genuinely very sweet. Yeah. Uh -huh. He's genuine. Yeah. yeah. He's a genuine person. Yeah. So yeah, we, you know, that was it. It was just, you know, I didn't have to run home from school. Mm -hmm. I, uh, we lived in, my school was two blocks away, St. Joseph Patron, walked two blocks, got home, got the Kool-Aid or whatever we drank and <laughs> was ready to, for the television to watch it. So I didn't have to run, but yeah. I walked home. Walked home. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I always say my, when my, uh, it was running in syndication. So my, my uncle Val lived with my grandparents. So I would saunter to my grandparents' house okay. to watch Dark Shadows because <laughs> it was on every day on channel 58. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, so. when it was rerun in the eighties on channel four in New York, uh -huh. <laughs> I was working part time and, uh, you know, I couldn't watch every episode. Yeah. And I had my mom say, he set up the tape recorder. I'm like, can you press the button and yeah. just set it up so we could? And I listened to it. Yeah, yeah. She never got into it before. She didn't know anything. And then she started to get into it. She liked. Yeah, it. she got sucked and in. Yeah, she's not in, she wasn't into horror stuff or anything. But she liked the characters. She liked the. Well, she watched them all later on. So yeah, were you into any of the uh, into any of the horror? Like, did you watch Zachary and and in, uh, in New York, or did you got to we, watch? We any? had a couple of shows. I was a little too. Uh, I don't remember Zachary offhand. We did mm -hmm. have some horror hosts in, uh, yeah. in New York, mm -hmm. uh, but we watched all the horror stuff. There was a show called Creature Features on Channel oh, yeah. 5, yeah, yeah. but there was a guy that, that was a host. We can't find any footage of it. He was an announcer at Channel 5, I believe, mm -hmm. but he was called The Creep. Oh, okay. He would just yeah. be in a suit and tie and discuss the show. It was on Saturday nights, like at 8.30. Watched that constantly, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and all the horror stuff that was on, the monster movies, science fiction. Yeah, we were pretty much into that. And of course, I bought when we had money. We bought Famous Monsters, Castle of Frankenstein magazine. Oh, Castle of Frankenstein was great. Wasn't that great? I have yeah. all the, those issues. Yeah, great. Them over the, and they did a lot of uh, 
Dark Shadow stuff too. Yeah, yeah, they're they're a cover. Uh, Barnabas is on one on one of the covers, a painting of him and yeah, it's like a, a demoness or something. Was, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, he was on. They were everywhere, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was just pervasive. You know, Dark yeah. Shadows was there at that time, and then it kind of you know once it faded away, like you said, it took a little while, and it's still. I don't know what it'll ever, you know, how popular it will continue with the new group, even if a, a television show is made. A show is, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was of its time, I think. And it's very hard to recapture that. But if you have somebody creative, you might be able to do something. I always look at, you know, Star Trek and Doctor Who, some have been able to come back by doing, uh, you know, a continuation that sure. still. Everything that happened before still happened, but now this is what's happening now with references to the past and characters showing up. And that has not been done, at least, uh, uh, you know, on television in a visual medium. So if Mark B. Perry gets that show off the ground that he's trying to do, I'm, I'm really hopeful that that will ignite an interest in the original show. I mean, mm. there's still a Dark Shadow still has a big following, but um, I think as time goes on, it's like, I don't, I, I don't want it to fall by the wayside. No, These no. other shows seem to still continue to maintain a presence. And I'd like to see that for Dark Shadows as well. Well, I think if that, if it works, that'd be the best way to do it. You know, yeah. problem is I think with these shows, they've done rehashed everything, you know, they keep going yeah. back and doing the same story over that's and true. over again. Yeah. We won't talk about the movie and it's <laughs> <laughs> skip that. It was very disappointing as we all know. Oh yeah. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, even, you know, I mean, the the, the ninety show wasn't bad, mm -hmm. uh, but it had its had its moments, but it didn't have time to grow or develop. So yeah, that which is unfortunate. I I think that deserved more of a chance. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, at the time, I I enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I'll, the original will always be very special to me. But I the ninety one show, I I always give a nod to because I I did enjoy, it, but it didn't get much of a chance. Yeah, but we'll see what happens. I mean, all these other things seem to always like Twilight Zone recently had a of course a few yeah. years ago. Twilight Zone came back, and it's like, I think eventually it's inevitable that it will. But it's a matter of whether the audience is going to connect with it. That's it, it. You know, yeah. I mean, it, there's so much product out now. So mm -hmm. somewhere yeah. somebody will do it, but will they do it well? And will yeah. it be successful? And yeah. it will spark interest in the original. Yeah, you know, it's such a different world today. Yeah, just watching a show every day. You know the the uh, the whole setup of it, how it worked, so different. There's not many soap operas around anymore. I don't I know if you, if you and there's a young audience today has to have things moving quickly, fast. Yeah. You know, they get yeah. bored quickly. Uh, mm -hmm. You see the movies that are out today. If it's 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 got to be nonstop movement. So how do you get an interest in in something that's a little bit you know even if you update it? How do you yeah. do that? You know. It's true. Yeah. And then and the gothic genre too is not known for being uh, you know, quick cuts right, and right. jumping from things. It's kind of a slow burn kind of a kind of a thing. Um one before we get into these supporting characters, you mentioned before we started recording, uh your how you discovered uh the gold key Dark Shadows comic mm -hmm. book. Uh can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, sure. Too? Well, you know, <laughs> as I said back then, there was no uh internet there was no information on anything usually unless the comic book company promoted stuff months in advance like stan lee would do because he was a great promoter of the comics uh western gold key was not that way they did have like a full fan page in the in the uh in the comics but i think probably the same month as when they announced it uh so we walked in my brother and my cousin jack walked into our local candy store one day 
And you look up there and see an issue of uh, Dark Shadows comic book with Dark So What's this? Uh, most comics back then were 12 cents or so. They were going to 15 cents. It was a quarter, which was a lot of money. And, but it had a poster inside, a photo cover of Jonathan. I was like, I'm shock. You know, it's like, wow, this is great. And I think it came out on a quarterly basis every three months. And, you know, it wasn't the greatest comic in the world. It had its issues there, but it wasn't charming. There was a charm to it, personality to it. Joe Serta was a decent artist. Uh, been around quite a while. And uh, it's quirky. But, you know, the fact is, you know, just to be in surprise, and Marvel or DC, you know, the major companies could not produce that comic because they were under the restrictions of the Comics Code Authority, which did not allow vampires uh, to be shown, which obviously makes absolutely no sense because you could turn the TV on every afternoon and see a vampire. You yeah. could see Bella Lugosi and every horror creature on TV as a kid. So how could you, why would you, you know, stop, uh, not have that out? It made no sense. It really didn't. And Gold Key was able to get away with, uh, with doing it because as you, you were saying, uh, you know, before. They we were more out. wholesome type com company because they did a lot of the Disney material. They did a lot of television adaptations and, you know, just, Passed through. I mean, they did it. They didn't get any flack, you know, which which is fascinating. But that's the way it was, you know. Yeah, and they and they lasted had a, for quite a while. It did, yeah, until seventy six. The TV show, yeah, yeah. I think it lasted until seventy six. And they did um, also uh, a lot of TV oh, licensed Twilight TV Zone, comics. Horace yeah. Karloff, Tales of Mystery. Uh, yeah, yep. a, a lot of that. So they did horror the, oriented the stuff. Monsters, well, which was more comedy. Horror, yeah, but comedy, I mean they. But, did, they were able to do any of them, almost all of that. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And I think Marvel, if they would have had the rights, would have done a great job. You know? And the occult files of Dr. Specter. Oh, yeah. Speaking yeah. of Don Glute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, there was there was that. But that was, uh, yeah, it was kind of surprising and uh, fun to get that, you know, just mm -hmm. totally. And it's great that you could get surprised like that. Today, you can never get surprised. No way can you repeat, replicate that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they did the Dynamite comics. Uh, not too long ago um but those those i thought it leaned a little too there was, there was something a little off i mean a stewart's a great writer it's not it wasn't stewart i think it's dynamite's direction okay. in terms of the dynamite company um right. wanted a lot more emphasis on the kind of a horror splatter kind of stuff mm -hmm. and it's like eh, this feels off um there was not as much it didn't feel dark shadows to me. It was cool to yeah, see the designs looking like Frid and and right. uh, Selby and etc. But it was not. Uh, it doesn't work for me. Yeah. The, yeah. The blood and the splatter of stuff does not. Yeah. Doesn't really uh, attract me that much. Uh, I'd love to see a new Dark Shadows comic book that's like really true to the to the series, the original series. Yeah. That, I know. always found interesting in the early days. I think they've discussed mm -hmm. it, Tom, and occasionally on the show is that I don't think they able or allowed to use the word vampire early on. Right, that yeah. word was not used for like months. I know, I know. I think Dan Curtis once said, "No, that's not true." I, I said, "I think Stan doesn't practice this. Don't use the word." And little by little, right, first time it was mentioned, it was like, "What?" They said vampire. You know what? Yes, it was, it was shocking. It was like they finally said it. I yeah. do remember that. It was Angelique said it to Ben, and she said, "Ben, do you know the word vampire?" <laughs> <Yeah>. And it was, <laughs> she said vampire. I can't believe she said it. <laughs> and then after that, the you know. The, yeah, but early on, they always avoided that. Yeah, he, Barnabas know. is dead. And all, they felt yeah. they were always kind of would dance around. And they'd almost say it. I remember one time Julia said, um, was, was you know, Barnabas was threatening David. Right. And she said, a, a, a child being... Uh, 
you know, his life is threatened by a, she said something to that effect and she stopped <laughs> and he said, by what, by a what doctor? And he, yeah. she wouldn't say it, but it was like, you know what she meant. It was really cool. I um, don't even when with Jason McGuire, I don't think they mentioned it, you know, no, no. catch him say, well, what is he? You know, he walks by night, but he's dead. Yes. Yeah. They I wouldn't know. say the word. Yeah. Um, so let's, um, speaking of all these, we're talking about these great characters on the show. Now, these are, uh, you know, prominent characters that were in many episodes, There's but we also, Major one I have to uh, give a heads up to because he was one of my favorites was okay. Thayer David. Oh, Thayer David. Thayer David yeah. was incredible. You know, he, just his yeah. personality, he was quirky, he was an, humorous, he was yeah. smart. You know, he just, and I loved his acting there. You know, he was good in every role he played. Oh, but yeah. I the best of Stokes. Arguably the best actor in the show. Uh, yeah. I mean, he just yeah. fantastic. Nancy Barrett was very good too. She was excellent too. Oh, but definitely. Yeah. I love, I love, I, there's so many good actors in the show, but Thayer was, he, he both of them are very versatile in the types of characters they could play. Like, you know, you had Thayer David playing Ben Stokes, but then he's the highly intelligent, sophisticated exactly. Professor he, Stokes. And then he's the versatile. evil Count Patofi, who's, you know, delightfully evil. Oh. You know? <laughs> and, and I saw, I, uh, I heard an interview or I saw an interview with Fred, uh, I forget from where it was, several uh, weeks ago. And he was praising uh, uh, Thayer David. I didn't hear that before, but he just yeah. said he was such a delightful person to work with, easy to work with. Help me out, you know. I always knew his his lines. He was very, very impressed with them. So it was nice to hear it coming from Fred. So, but you know, these uh, Thayer, you know, certainly a prominent actor in the show, played many prominent characters in the show. But we also had a lot of um, great actors, a lot of great theater actors would come in and just do these parts. You know, I, I was I tried to use a rule of thumb to decide what constituted a, a supporting character, and I mm -hmm. my. I mean, my kind of vague rule of thumb here is like 10 episodes or less. I don't know what you okay, used. Okay, I broke it, broke it, I think. Let's see. One or two times I broke it. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, okay. maybe more than that. That's okay. I have listings of how many times they showed up. I tr Yeah, I tried to make notes uh, of that. Some of the too. three or four, but they were you know, just memorable. You yeah. Know? How about you uh, kick, it, kick it off? I mean, what-, what Want me to what, start out? Go for it. Yeah. Uh, okay, Mine yeah. are no First one, I didn't make a list. Let me start with, uh, I yeah. should follow the-, the uh, my, mine are in no particular order. I'm just going to toss toss them out. We can kind of jump around well, here. Well, Craig Slocum, who was uh, Harry Johnson. <laughs> Harry Johnson, and, uh, yes. Noah, which I didn't care for in that part. Noah, I Noah know he's not a popular different. guy, no, but I thought he was perfect for Harry Johnson. Mm -hmm. uh, this is Johnson's son who's always being put upon and gets into all sorts of issues <laughs> with everybody, gets involved with Nicholas Blair. So I thought he worked for that type of character, you know, but the Agreed. tough guy... I was working with Nathan. No, that didn't really work. For him. A lot of people don't, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of are dismissive of Harry Johnson. I thought Craig Slocum was a perfect Harry Johnson. He just. Exactly. It was an interesting uh, character type that, I mean, a little bit uh, from the family tree of of early Willie Loomis, I guess. Oh, but, sure. but a little, but not the same. He's just more kind of a. More of a wimpy yeah, type character. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, whatever. Of, I don't want to Mrs. do Mrs. Johnson that. was just berating him all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Never believed anything. Harry, you're getting into trouble again. What are you doing? And you he's know? always like, what, mom? Like, <laughs> And then he has to take care of Adam. Or like, he helps uh, Carolyn with Adam, you know. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then, he, yeah. Then cool he, guy. Then he becomes Nicholas's servant, uh, unwilling servant. So, yeah, a good choice there. Yeah, with Harry. Well, good. Yeah. Only three episodes, I think. Anita Bolster with I Am Oh, my goodness, yes. You know, yeah. people pick on her for forgetting that line. Number mm -hmm. one, she was a stage actor. She had done so much. I saw her an episode of Secret Agent for like two seconds. Of a few uh -huh. weeks ago, and I said, that's her. But yeah. she had a long career, you know, and she was an older person. But 
she made one error there, but she was so good in that part. She played that part so well. She you know, agreed. convincing. Agreed. Yeah, she was a great, a white witch, you know, a good, good kind of a, yeah. uh, you know, well, shades of gray a little bit. Well, it did she, remind me a little exorcist, pre-exorcist when Barnabas was possessed and he started, remember the way he yeah, acted? Yeah, that was great. That was yes. pre-exorcist then. I'm like, yeah. wow, look at the way he, and he did that well. He did. Um, he became Angelique, right? Or he became possessed by Angelique. Or, yeah, or something. You will yeah. die, you know, that type of, yeah. Yeah, it, like sometimes it was about. Barnabas and sometimes it was kind of Angelique. She was speaking to Angelique. So, right. but, it, uh, but Anita Bolster was uh, was fantastic. She had a gravitas, you know. Uh, it's unfortunate that there was that one yeah. error. And I know initially, I believe MPI took that out. Uh, there right. was an editor at MPI that took that out and people were furious that they were taking out things like that. Sure. So they put it put it back in. Yeah, and I, I think preserving the original broadcast of what it, what it was Again, like but danielle as a kid seeing that i don't think we noticed any errors and black didn't... and white tv mm-hmm. you know i don't remember ever saying my brother me oh they made a mistake you didn't you know you didn't notice it i didn't notice either even when i was a kid too except you know sometimes if something would fall down oh yeah I would notice yeah. that you know like things would just you know uh something would would Fall. The shade goes up, things like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, yeah. That something falls on the floor, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Occasionally, but I mean, it was so minor. Yeah. You know? And yet, that's really done practically live. You know what they went mm-hmm. through. It's yeah. amazing that how well it worked. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we'll get to Diana Davillo, who was Julianka. Yes, she was. She great. was very good. She was amazing. Yes, the uh, she, she was four episodes. Yeah, she was she was cocky, very kind of intimidating, beautiful, yeah, yeah. intimidating. She was tough, um, she was a tough personality, and yeah, you know, very memorable performance, memorable performance. Yeah, I wish sure. she would have been on more. They should have used her a little more. Julianka, good, good I character to keep around. They killed her off too too early. It's true, and I'm surprised they didn't they didn't bring her back because she gave a great performance as Julianka. Yeah, coming for the hand of Potofi. Ah. Jane Draper, who played Suki Forbes. Yes. Oh, five she's episodes. one of my favorites. I thought she was on much longer, only five. Because she left such an impact. I yes. Mean, that's why. I mean, she was great. Yeah. Thoughts, thought, what are your thoughts on her? Um, no, she was just a great personality. Again, strong personality, interesting character, uh-huh. cunning. You know, she <laughs> yes. really was. She, she was a match for uh, Nathan. Totally. Yes. yes. She was uh, dynamite. I loved uh, Suki Forbes, Jane Draper. Like you said, a great match for Nathan Forbes. She was also a schemer, uh, just confident. Uh, you know, I mean, I wish, she's one. I definitely wish they had brought back that actress uh, to, to Jane Draper to play. Oh, definitely. Even, uh, even, if, even if it's not Suki, Suki was short-lived, you know, but... Which is surprising, you know, you it's it's one of those characters that they bring in and like, oh, you know, she's throwing a monkey wrench into into the de- exactly. yeah. schemes and then Barnabas kills her. And it's kind of shocking because you expect that she's going to go on to, to be a player in the in the storyline. Um, but that's the thing. Dark Shadows will throw those curveballs and it's like, whoa. Um, but I, I loved that actress and I wish they had brought her back again. Yeah, and you never know personally what happened. Maybe they had other commitments and they don't want to replace oh, yeah. them sure you know, yeah there's a lot of yeah. these people probably with the other people they had other jobs sure yeah and they you know they couldn't stay on and maybe they would mm-hmm. have kept them you don't know mm-hmm. uh since we're mentioning a lot of females we'll put elizabeth ice who played buffy oh yeah 15 episodes yeah yeah that was i, I didn't have her on my list because she went over my 10 but she i loved elizabeth ice yeah she yeah. was great yeah buffy harrington yep her character was very good. And she was kind of the Ivy, uh, the Jekyll and Hyde. Yes, definitely. Yeah. That was yeah. the Jekyll and Hyde story. Yeah, yep. Uh, 
and Kay Fry, the original Pansy yes. Show. Yes, she's on my much list. Much as I love uh, the the, you know, uh, the redoing, you know, yeah. but but she was really good. Four episodes. Yeah, I loved Kay Fry. Pansy is one of my favorites. Uh, I I mean Nancy Barrett as Pansy Faye. Yeah. I, I love, I adore, but I I really enjoyed Kay Fry. Again, this is an unexpected character that gets thrown into Dark Shadows. And just the idea of Carl and Pansy together coming <laughs> coming into the that old was house. <laughs> it's and I love you know Barnabas and Beth's reaction. Bar- Barnabas and Beth are both pretty serious, somber characters. Right. And, you know these two clownish kind of characters right. that and come you in. Just, a little mixture, of, you know. You need oh, broke absolutely. things up a bit. I'm surprised Big Finish never did like an episode oh, with yeah, the ghosts of great. Carl and Pansy reunited <laughs> in the afterlife or something. Because that just yeah, Kay Fry, she was she was fantastic as Pansy agreed. All right, we're breaking our rule now. This is 36 uh, okay. episodes, but I have to have a shout out to Dana Elkar, who played the original oh, Charles yes. Patterson most of the time. And he went into a great lot of acting on him. I thought he was he was very good in that part. He was excellent. He w- he was certainly I mean, when I think of Sheriff Patterson, it's Dana Elkar that my mind. Some of those to. other Sheriff Pattersons yeah. did not work too well. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Dana Elkar was a great actor, and uh, he he sold that part. I mean, it was not a. He was in quite a few episodes, especially he's a, he shows up a lot in. Um, thirty six, thirty six, quite a few. Yeah, so, um, but he's uh, he was great, and I would have liked to have seen him continue as as Sheriff Patterson in the show. I think uh, he came and went a couple of times, and the worst part to me was when they uh, when uh, Doctor Wood had died, and I forgot mm-hmm. there was another sheriff that filled in. Uh, it just didn't work out. You know, it wouldn't work much. The next day, he had to go <laughs> investigate. There was a guy. I think he was there for one day or so. Did yeah. not. Did not work. You know, he would have been much better, especially in that that part of the storyline. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just kind of phased the character out of the show, unfortunately. So yeah. Sheriff Patterson retired and got replaced by Sheriff Davenport, apparently. <laughs> well, for a while, yes. <laughs> for He's on here somewhere. <laughs> of course, I have to make, I was looking at this, I skipped this the first time, and I didn't realize he was only in four episodes. Michael Kanj, uh, Buzz. Buzz. A wonderful Hack- Buzz. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just got a big kick out of that character. I don't know what it was. I would have liked to see some interaction with him and Barnabas. Would have been fun. <laughs> yes. It had one humorous scene, but it was just personality, just so weird to have someone like him in the show. Absolutely. You know, and the best girl boyfriend that Carolyn ever had. Yeah, yeah true. Think about the, it. The only one who wasn't a monster. The one- <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not the only one, but and Joe, he was honest. He Joe didn't do anything. He wasn't a criminal. He didn't do. He was just, you know, living his life. Joe Joe was a good boyfriend. Carolyn was not a good girlfriend. She's not a good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To Joe, she had issues picking these some some of the men. Yeah, yeah but, but he was uh, just just got a kick out of watching his scenes, and I always think he was in more. Uh, yeah, oh. again, such an impact. I Buzz, uh, Michael Hadge as Buzz was was great. Again, another example, like you said, of out of left field character being thrown into the Dark Shadows universe that doesn't really belong there, but it works. It's just kind of a <laughs> counterbalance to everything else going on. And friends of mine who I've shown Dark Shadows who mm-hmm. always mention to me like, I love Buzz. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. And he has a cult following. I mean, uh, 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 I heard interviews when he was still alive. He man, he had interviewed. Uh, he's still like, he's still around. Is he still thought, yeah, he was the literary license. Unless he passed away recently, but I think I would have heard about that. He was on the literary license podcast. Okay. 
Tom Diamond interviewed him on for literary license, maybe about maybe two years ago. About okay, two, if you look on yeah. YouTube, I can send you the link to mm-hmm. it. Uh, mm-hmm. But he, they interviewed Michael Hatch, which I was surprised I hadn't seen any interviews with him, and he hadn't done any festivals or anything, right. as far as I was aware. But yeah, he talked about Dark Shadows and theater, and uh, you know, seemed seemed like a he was a hoot, especially the uh, the uh, interactions with Dennis Patrick. Oh yes, yeah. And the two <laughs> scenes I remember when he was when uh, when uh, Buzz was on the. Uh, steps yeah and he wouldn't move you know? yeah, yes yes <laughs> just barely he wanted him to get up and he didn't want to do and then when he tried to bribe him you know yeah oh yes like, yeah he like wouldn't the bike and the girl you know he That's would right. not yeah. he wasn't uh, going anywhere i loved his interaction with joan bennett did he call her mommy oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like very odd. that's why I would have liked to see his interaction with Fred with Barnabas there. Yes. Just the look on his face. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Incredible. Yeah, good choice there. We have Janet uh Canada Humphrey, Janet Finley. Oh yes, yes, yeah. Madam Finley, she was great. Oh, yeah, just a yeah. great personality, you know, just fit in perfectly with, with the characters with the characters there, with the with the uh with that type of show. Perfect medium uh, character, but um, she was, uh, this is, I have quite a few of these on my list with Dark Shadows, um, you know, they had a tendency to use these very theatrical people out of the theater, uh, and Mm -hmm. she is a prime example of of that, uh, a very theatrical personality. Definitely. definitely. Like you said, fits that vibe perfectly. Perfectly fits. This very dramatic medium who comes in and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is unfortunately she's not a match for for the ghost of Quentin. Well, mediums coming into uh, Collinwood didn't usually do too well. Does not end well for them. No, never <laughs> no, ended no. well for them. No, no, no. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's there's another actress on the show who is on my list, too. I don't know if you have her on your list, but she she has that kind of vibe, too, where she's very. Uh, Hannah dramatic. Stokes. Bull, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, correct. Yes. Yes. <laughs> another was... Stokes. No, I have her down. She yeah. appeared in seven episodes. Yeah, she was. I, I thought she was great too. Paula Lawrence. She was again another great uh, theater actress. She had a substantial uh, uh, career in uh, in theater. She was a successful Broadway actress. I think since the '30s. I mean, she mm-hmm. she had been doing uh, a lot of Broadway, and she came in because Professor Stokes. I mean, uh, Timothy Stokes. Or, uh, there, right. David was doing House of Dark Shadows. So they brought in Aunt Hannah Stokes, <laughs> to, uh, and I yeah. wish they had kept her when they brought. Timothy Stokes in because it would have been really great to have them as a duo. Oh, interact. Um, yeah. You know, the yeah, the, the brother and sister, the evil, evil bro- brother and sister. <laughs> they would that I think that would have been because I love Timothy Stokes. He was so seedy. Uh, oh, you know, oh, the, yeah, the was, evil yeah. Professor Stokes uh yeah. version of Professor Stokes. It would have been great to have the two of them Versatile, together. Like you said. Yeah. You know, and again, a lot of these people they they uh they pick good people, you know, they really pick good people for the show. And, they sure uh, did, yeah. You know, theatrical people that came in really uh really hit it well so who do we have here ah another favorite of mine only nine episodes and i felt another fellow that i thought was on much more the original caretaker daniel keys oh my goodness he was the other guy that replaced him never never he was just so fit perfectly that 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 personality that yeah peter murphy replaced him yeah but uh, yeah daniel keys agree yeah Big and, time, you know, just interacting with all the Collinwood people coming up to that cemetery all the time. And there was one where, where uh, Fritz Barnabas was just so exasperated with him, he couldn't even. Deal with <laughs> I love that scene. Yes. Like, Who? David? 
David something died in 1840. And yeah, he's just, no, no, this boy, he's alive. (laughs) And he was just sitting so frustrated. Surprised he didn't know off him, you know, it was like, enough. Yes, yeah. So strange and eccentric. Uh, He's wonderful. He was wonderful. (laughs) Uh, He's he's one, unfortunately, uh, you know, what happened is... um, Along with Robert Garinger, who was uh, Doctor the Doctor Woodard, um, they wouldn't cross the picket line oh, during the, 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 the strike. Yeah, so we lost quite a few uh, Garinger. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, lost Garinger. Yep, and uh, Daniel Keyes. And uh, uh, for those who haven't seen the pre Barnabas episode, you do get more caretaker in in the Laura storyline uh, in the Phoenix storyline because the caretaker shows. Oh, up you definitely yeah. in there too. So you get more of more of him because he's he's just. Batty, I I love him. <laughs> well, going back to the original, then before pre Barnabas, we I don't think he was in the later. Richard Gardner, Hugh Franklin, who played Richard Gardner. Yes, I like him. Yeah. Father and son team, I believe. Great, he had that yeah classic, almost classic Hollywood kind of a, a feel to him. You just had a I could have seen him in a 1930s movie as definitely as a yeah. lawyer. Into that personality. You know? Yeah, another uh, uh, could have been a boyfriend for Vicky. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, Frank, oh Frank, uh, Frank Garner, the the Frank son. Garner. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. You, that's uh, Clannard Fox, the father yeah. and son. Yeah. Oh yeah, he definitely was that classic. Was again mi- mixing them up. Sorry about that. Yep. Um, and then we have the various uh, reverends. I didn't even mark how many times Reverend Bland. Oh Reverend, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean <laughs> the judge. These poor guys came in. There was yeah. always something horrible happening. You know. <laughs> yep. Usually couldn't finish their work. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many weddings we uh, got through. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Reverend Bland is the one that definitely jumps to mind. <laughs> and I love the name, too. <laughs> the Reverend, Reverend Bland. Bland. <laughs> Those are great. Yeah. We had John Lazel, Dr. Guthrie. Oh, Dr. Guthrie. Yeah. He was in quite, I didn't have him on my list because he was in quite a few episodes, but mm-hmm. he was. I don't, have a, I don't have a number next to him, but yeah, yeah. He, he was good. He, he played that part well, too. I enjoyed him a lot. He was a great, you know, parapsychologist character, kind of a proto Professor Stokes. Um, mm-hmm. I I enjoyed his performance a lot. I was sad when he died. Um, I think John Lassell himself, I believe he is still alive, unless uh-huh. unless no obituary was released. But I mean, he must. He's in his nineties for sure. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm fairly confident that he is still with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he was also in the Twilight Zone. Uh, he's, he did had a you know substantial career. Uh, and I would love. I mean, I don't know if he would do an interview at this this point. But even if it's a text interview, I yeah, wonder you never if he, know. If it doesn't hurt be to able try. To, you never know. I mean, people in their nineties. Some people are very sharp still in the, exactly. their nineties. Exactly. So it'd be interesting to. I've never to heard an interview him. from him. You know, it'll yeah. be great to see what yeah. his thoughts on the show. Yeah. Uh, and of course, another one. Five episodes. I thought thought he was on forever. Paul Michael, King Johnny Romano. Yes. Oh, yeah. King Johnny. shouldn't have killed off or brought back somehow, right? He was such an over-the-top character, <laughs> just personality, you know. He was amazing. Uh, King Johnny, my friend <laughs> Ivan, who I got to start watching Dark Shadows, he loved uh-huh. King Johnny. He was doing King Johnny <laughs> impressions. And my friend uh-huh. Joseph, too, who was also yeah. a big fan of King Johnny Romano. Uh, really dramatic and, yeah. and theatrical. He had that cape. 
Yeah. Walk in with, and he was just really, again, only four episodes. Yeah, Paul Michael. Five, I'm sorry. Yeah, he played the the king of the gypsies. Very, again, a very theatrical personality. Super cocky, very enjoyable to watch, very confident. You know, this kind of arrogance to him. Uh, Um, I loved him. Uh, And um, he was uh, Marion Ross's, uh, you know, part Marion Ross from Happy Days, Mrs. Cunningham. She okay. he was her partner for decades. I mean, they wow. were to, they were together yeah, for a very long time, and then of course she did uh, Arsenic and Old Lace with Jonathan Frid. Sure. Uh, so I wonder if they t- if <laughs> there's they, a connection. Yeah, I wonder if uh, you know. Yeah, Paul Michael showed up at back. those shows. There's great. Yeah, he's a great, great actor. Yeah, I wish he would have come back even in another part. You know, for sure. Some Absolutely. of those they just you know disappeared for whatever reason, which was unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed Riley, Sheriff Davenport, had to mention him. <laughs> yes, came Sheriff. Back, came back from the dead. Yes. Um, I kind of like the way he played that the zombie type character. <laughs> it was the first because, time I've ever seen a talking zombie. That was interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was odd. You know, yeah. the makeup they had for him and you know, poor guy. Yeah. You know. And his first name is Sheriff, I guess, because that's yeah. what sounds <laughs> That was the weirdest head <laughs> yeah. They couldn't put a first name in there. It's like, so, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. It's, it's either his first name, maybe, or it's such an honor to be the sheriff of Collinsport that you get your title on your on your gravestone. Yeah, with all the weird goings on, of course. Yeah. <laughs> definitely have that title. Uh, another pre-Barnabas was uh, Frank Schoenfeld, Bill Malloy. I loved Bill he Malloy. He was incredible. He was great. Another one I wish they had brought back. Uh, I, in fact, one thing I've mentioned before is when they did 1970 Parallel Time, I think it would have been really cool to have the Parallel Time Bill Malloy show oh, up. Oh, yeah. That would have been interesting to have, have him come back, Frank Schofield, because he was, I didn't have him on my list because he was in, it was in a number of, ep- I don't, did you have the number down for him? Uh, no, I didn't. For some yeah. reason. He was in a, he was in he was a number probably, of shows. He was in but, quite a bit. He felt like somebody who came from a small town in in a fishing town in Maine. He just definitely, had that. Definitely had that New England atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he was really great with, uh, very loyal to the family. Yeah. Uh, he played that part so well, you know. Excellent Shame actor. When they killed him off, it was like, wow. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, he was one I was, I knew, I knew it was coming. Stories, yeah. yeah. He really held up. Him and, again, Theo David was in there. Oh, yeah. Matthew Morgan. Yeah. Matthew Morgan. That's right. Another part. Yeah. (laughs) That he started with. It's like the evil Ben Stokes almost. (laughs) In fact, when Vicky first sees Ben, because I'd watched 1795. Oh, that's right. Certainly before I'd watched Pre Barnabas, because those were not released uh, in syndication. Yeah. So when she first sees Ben, she's she's scared. She calls us Matthew Morgan. Yeah, that was great that they referenced that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see too. uh, I saw those episodes much later, like I said, on either the videotape or DVD. Mm-hmm. You know, the original, and I enjoy the original series. I really I had something going for it. You Me know. too. Yeah. Uh, was much more slow moving, you know, mostly mm-hmm. dealt with Burke, you know, yeah. and, and and the revenge. But still, I think it has its uh, has its moments. Yeah. It worked well. And speaking of, uh, since uh, here's one that's, I really broke the rules on this one, but I think he really needs a shout out because he's sometimes speaking roles, sometimes not, but he brought personality and atmosphere to the show. Bob O'Connor, Bob the bartender. Bob the bartender, yes. <laughs> I just thought he was perfect as the bar. That was his part. He was just really, really good at that part. He fit in perfectly with that scene. You yes. know, sometimes he'd give him speaking roles, usually not. Yep. But there's one scene in particular I remember, which which just, I don't know if it was pre-Barnabas or not. Don't recall, but it's with Burke Devlin. And I think uh, probably John Carlin. I'm not sure if it was just still John, John Carlin as Willie, but he's taunting Burke. And then he, he starts a fight and they 
I think the switchblade comes out and Bob gets over there with the with the bottle. Yes. Says, Skip it, Bob. I can handle this punk. You know, and, and he takes him over, you know. So not even a speaking role, but I just remember that. Well, it's just great. His reactions that he was going to get. Yeah, that he was going inter, to intervene. Yeah. In. <laughs> you don't want to mess with Bob, the bartender. That's for sure. With a cigar. You know, he's I, and love... I think they, he spoke once in a while. Again, so speaking. I once remember in a while when, they throw him away. Maggie was a uh, memory was coming back. I think they he spoke a few times in that that area because they were trying to get yeah. him involved in something they, they were all talking about where did she come back? You know, yeah. what happened to her, you know, or when she got into the, uh, her memory started to come back. She walked into the, yeah. when the uh, blue whale mm-hmm. and you had a whole bunch of this person, all these people that were uh, uh, standing around. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> the casting. crowd you ever had in the blue. Whale. It's true. Yeah. Perfect <laughs> casting though. Uh, that's the thing with dark shadows. It was always like right on the nose. Like it's like, wow, this, this guy feels like a bartender who would be, in this fisherman's tavern yeah, yeah. in in small town Maine, you know, we just had that feel to him. And even though he didn't have a lot of speaking lines periodically, but he has just his reactions to things and he, right, he right. wiping down the bar and kind of observing <laughs> what's going on. Yes. Or you know, it just he was great. Uh, yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, no, he, he brought something flavor to the to the series. Yep, yep. You know, I don't think they used the blue whale much lady in the last year or so. They were too busy traveling all over, so he didn't see much, I don't think. I know during yes during summer 1970 I don't even think we saw the blue whale at all I don't I don't think not sure I don't think we did um, but yeah yeah well that's most of my list you have okay you, you added some to the I have a few to add to okay. to the list here you got most of them but there there are, there are <laughs> definitely a couple I want to throw out there good, um, good. I have another uh, list here somewhere too. So. Uh, there are two characters played by this actor that I want to I want to mention although he played three he also played a third character. Mm-hmm. Um, Garth Blackwood from oh, 1997, right. <laughs> played by John Harkins. I want a universal horror film based on the Garth Blackwood. <laughs> he's right out of one of those movies. Yes. He come, he just looks and feels like something right out of a classic 30s horror film, or or oh. maybe maybe you know either Universal or maybe maybe one of the other studios, maybe a monogram. I don't and know. I but forget he, him. Yeah, definitely. I'm sorry, yeah. I, I missed him. That's oh, he was, he so was. the Gar, uh, John Harkins. Oh so theatrical uh he was just so much five episodes anyone about, that could scare count Hoffa, you know yeah <laughs> right five episodes very very kind of striking look with uh with the black big black beard the and the black, black coat yes. and the black coat and the the the, and the, you chain. Know, the the chain and the leg dragging his leg and with that accent like the prisoner must be apprehended <laughs> yeah he was <laughs> He was incredible. Amazing with the unibrow. I just <laughs> incredible. John Harkins was amazing. And then completely different. If I didn't know that was John Harkins, he also played another character I, I enjoyed, uh, which was Horace Gladstone in Parallel oh, Time, eight right. episodes. Totally different character. Looked completely. Oh, he didn't have a sleazy the, character. It was a real very sleazy. sleazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah was no, gonna strips of sleaziness there. Yeah, I forgot. I didn't realize that was the same one. I forgot. Yeah, Horace wow. Gladstone, seedy, uh, sweaty, uh, <laughs> yeah. but just delightful. Some again, this is a character I could picture in some film noir film, like a Peter Laurie kind of a kind of oh, a guy. I think I've seen him in other movies too. Yeah, yeah, quite it, a character actor. There, yeah, he was but, something. 
but that type of character, yeah, he was, uh, you know, trying to blackmail Cyrus Longworth, you know, uh, and because he finds out that he's also John Yeager. But he was a great uh, character, too. Great character actor. He also played Lieutenant Costa, I believe, in the, I think, in the Laura uh, Phoenix storyline pre-Barnabas. But it was okay. he was just a cop in that. He was not, okay. there wasn't anything, you know, I, he was he was fine in the role, but it was those other two characters are just very memorable to me. Um uh, the other... I had one more in here that I had forgotten. Oh, go for Happen it. Happy to yeah. forget that. It was on yeah. my other side of my list over here. Of course, yeah. Abe Bogota, Ezra Braithwaite. And I... oh, yes. oh, incredible. Yeah. In the, the... <laughs> I loved him as Ezra Braithwaite. Perfect call out there for Ezra Braithwaite. Oh, I'm, I I forgot to put him on my list. and I, I saw have. him at one of the uh, Dark Shadows conventions. He was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was funny. Yeah. Like, I did this show 50 years, 60, 50 years. He says, who remembers this? I did one party. He says, uncle. But he was talking about it. He says, I don't believe people are still watching this. It's amazing. Yeah. Really nice guy. A lot of fun. Oh, great. Uh, great. Pleasant. And that he actually attended a show was great. You know? I was so happy that he did go to a Dark Shadows festival. Yeah. And he played two roles in Dark Shadows. He also played Otis Green in 1840. Oh, that's right. Exactly. He played Otis Green as well, uh, which was, he was very good also as Otis Green. But uh, Ezra Braithwaite uh, is yeah, one that- With the glasses, he couldn't say. With the glasses. So well done. Poor, poor guy. <laughs> I just, I love, I felt so bad he that he died. Because like, yeah, I liked yeah, he him. He was very likable. You know? Just a was, quirky, you know- <laughs> character that just fit perfectly in the in Collinwood. And Abe Vigoda was always an old man. Every, yeah, even he made jokes of he's I'm always people think I'm dead, you know. He says I've been doing this for years. He's but yeah, it was I mean when he did that part, I must have been in his forties. So and he was playing this, you know, old he very always, old man. Yeah, he always played these older character all older but parts. I loved uh I loved it when he looked at um Quentin, when you put the glasses on, oh. he's like, "Oh, I know who you are." Yes, Quentin Collins. <laughs> Quentin, yeah. come, the realization dawns on him. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> he was great. Yeah, very, very good uh, choice there. Um, okay, Mr. Best, played by Emery Bass. Oh, of course. Death. <laughs> Death another him. one stepped out of a, a, a movie. You know? I, absolutely. He was only in three episodes. He's another one I thought was in more uh, episodes. Uh, later, he came back in 1840 to play uh, a, a minister. But right. um, he was excellent as Mr. Best, the genteel death. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, that just worked uh, perfectly. I just like kind of a Twilight Zone type character. Something was, that stepped yes, out of the I was Twilight Zone. That myself. Yeah. Very uh, much a Twilight Zone type character. Uh, but he was, yeah, yeah, there was some, even though he was, he was gentlemanly, but he was also spooky. There was some, oh, I mean, yeah, as he, he should be, because he's death. He did, yeah, he had a spooky quality to him. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you could almost, I mean, you could sense, well, this is a very powerful being, but he's polite. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I, I really enjoyed his, Emery Bass's performance as Mr. Best. I thought he was, he was great. Another great kind of theater well, actor that just fits just the vibe. Of, yeah, I don't know the character actor, but uh, the actor, but I've, the voice of Diabolos, Diabolos. Oh, Dwayne Morris, <laughs> Dwayne, and he, he was, was also his body too. He was he was uh, a great devil. Yes, he was excellent. I was just talking about him with Alan Gallant actually, because yeah, he had that. The voice was creepy. I mean, it was just there was something off about the mm -hmm. way he spoke and delivered those lines, theatrical but unsettling as well. And just the the imposing height and that weird voice you have summoned. I can't. Oh, I just came up with two more since you spent spent oh. creepy and oh, the, the go for it. with the uh, 
the Leviathan, uh, the two oh. Leviathan characters. Yes, and Oberon Batman, and Hazel. They were just doing all this stuff. Speaking of Marvel comics, I was just thinking of all of that because they did this stuff in like Submarine or Roy Thomas might have been inspired by that. Where oh. he had a serpent's head and Naga and all of this. So I suspect he might have been in watching those episodes and got inspired to do something similar. Was this a, the Submariner run in the, uh, in the 60s? Yeah. In the 60s? 1968, 69, something like okay. that. Okay. Period. Yeah. So, yeah. but remember, those two characters, they didn't speak. No, they spoke. Oberon and Hazel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just really weird looking, uh, you know, odd characters. And they were only on for an episode or two, I think, too. But yeah. They were great. I, I agree. Yeah. The, again, yeah. Very memorable, kind of striking people. Another one, I think this is the last one I have here. I'll just double check. Oh, actually, I just thought of another. I keep thinking of more. Uh, there was one I have on my list. Uh, and there's another one I want to throw out there, too. Um, I'll, I'll mention them both. Istvan, played oh, Istvan, by yes. Henry Baker. I uh, yeah. was in four episodes. Did not have any speaking lines. Unfortunately, but certainly, yeah. Yeah. Right. It was good. Yeah. It's just his presence, you know. Very imposing presence. Uh, I felt bad for I mean, I, I did he, feel bad for the way they, they, they killed part him. Part of us just yeah. hypnotized him into walking yeah. up a cliff. <laughs> wow. That's pretty harsh. But this that's was the a thing big, with imposing was character that was, that was, you know, it would have been interesting to keep him going. Yeah. He was great. And speaking he, part. And he did then go on to do a movie with Jonathan Fred uh, Seizure. He was oh, in right, yeah. Oliver Stone's first film, which, uh, you know, uh, Henry Baker was in that as well. Um, but the other one that came to mind was Conrad Bain as uh, Mr. Wells, oh, the innkeeper at the Collinsport Inn. Another one who came perfect. to the festival, too. He came to a festival, too, and said, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> he was perfect in that role as the uh, hotel clerk, you know? Mm -hmm. He just fit in, you know? He, he a really guy that did. was involved in everything, knew what was going on, you know? He was yeah. the center of, of what was happening in, in the uh, place. Yeah, and... and they yeah. knock him out. Did he get killed? Uh, he got killed by the like werewolf. The bloodiest episode I, we, they ever used. They did when he... You saw yeah. blood. I mean, I think that was the most violent one they'd ever. Well, it was pretty violent. Killed him, and you see pulling him off, and you see blood on the oh, blood gripping down his face. Yeah, that was. They didn't do too much of that, you know. And they I guess they tried to, you know, see how far they could go. Yeah, I mean, the werewolf mangled him. I guess you know to get that across that the werewolf was was yeah. very violent, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, Conrad Bain, I and mean, he was in some of the pre-Barnabas shows, and it was yeah. really cool that they brought him back like, two years later to play Miss, uh, Mr. Wells again. Yeah, there's uh, something nice about that when you have that continuity. These yeah. characters come back, you're familiar, even though they're part of the scenery, you know, it's a yeah. small town. It kind mm -hmm. of fits in so well with the, the atmosphere of the show. Sure. And people like, you know, it's, it's interesting, Conrad Bain and uh, well, Ava Goda then went on to be you know very successful sure. uh, actors in te television, had a very successful television series. But it's cool that they both actually came back to, to just do to a Dark Shadows Festival. That must have been a hoot for them to, <laughs> yeah. to do I mean, that. It must yeah. be amazing to, to, that people still remember it. It's still out there. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's with all the stuff they've done, you know, all the yeah. work they've done. Sure. So. So I have two more characters I want to mention, and one of them was prominently listed here on my list, and I forgot to mention her uh, when I was talking to Nick, and that's Portia Fitzsimmons, as played by Love Lady Powell. Uh, she played the art dealer who wanted to buy some of Sam Evans' paintings from the 1950s, and she was only in one episode, but such a memorable character. She definitely left an impression. Such great screen presence, such a theatrical actress, great character, definitely memorable. And lastly, Isabella Hoops, who played Edith Collins in 1897, Grandmama Edith. What a memorable and delightful performance that was. She was just 
Fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there there are so many more that I'm sure we could, if we kept going, we could just be here all day throwing out names. Them all, but, you know, there's so but, many, but, but you, know, you know, there's a few that don't work too well. I won't mention them. Uh, I, don't like to, <laughs> I, I don't like to focus on the negative. There's a few that I didn't think were very good. Or, you know, once in a while you see them like, oh, this person's in it, you know. But for the most part, I think, you know, we had quite a uh, cast of characters there. Besides Agreed. the main characters. And the supporting characters that really added to the entire uh, series, the entire show. Agreed. Know, brought something special to it, I think. Added a great flavor to to some of those episodes to spice things up or just throw a monkey wrench into, into things. Really yeah. fun. Great, great casting choices. Thinking uh, back on yeah. it, this was a, a lot of teens watched the show. And there wasn't a lot of teenage characters in the show when there, there were young, young people. There was a wide variety, older people and women, men, and all different types there that were there. It wasn't just, you know, today you'd want to cater to a young audience. You'd have much younger people. I'm sure they'll probably do that if they're remake. You're going to want to have a lot of young people in there. There's I'd a like lot of, there wasn't much except for David and Amy and, you know, which was great. I related yeah. to everything. They didn't really bring in teens very much until Hallie Stokes Hallie, later yeah. on. And they, they had, they had her, but and then in 1840, they also had uh, Tom Happer as uh, Jeremy Grimes. But uh, yeah, uh, and nowadays, I think you're right. I think they, in fact, that's what was going on. Though uh, when I had Todd McIntosh, the makeup artist on the podcast, he talked about how uh, that CW pilot, he was the makeup artist for this unaired CW right. pilot and CW uh, or WB. Was it WB at the time? It was WB at the WB time. At the WB. Um, WB really unsurprisingly was pushing very hard to have a very young cast for the show and there was a big conflict there because dan curtis really wanted a more mature cast for the show and i think you want to have a certain level of gravitas with dark shadows and i think it's difficult to pull unless you have a very talented younger actor who can pull that off it's it's a challenge i think you gotta kind of have some core mature actors who have a lot of experience under their belts who can deliver that kind of performance and mix in you can mix in some younger people as well but i I think if you push too hard in the younger direction it doesn't have the right feel to me but that's me i don't know the good thing about curtis and the producers is they thought outside the box a bit you know they didn't follow the rules there weren't many Mm -hmm. rules to follow what they were doing so they would just go their own way the work it worked if not go somewhere else but today You know, in a lot of ways, it's more standardized. It's more, you know, you have a lot of people involved. And, and this is a smaller operation, let's face it. Curtis was, was running the show. Uh, he had a lot of good people around him. But he didn't have much interference. You know, as long as the stuff was, was selling well, it was, it was making money for the, for, the, for the network, it was left alone. Yeah. Today, you have a lot of hands involved and a lot of people telling you how it's going to be done. That's in most, a lot of media, you know, in film. In, uh, in mainstream film, comics, mainstream comics, like yeah. so many hands involved. You can't really do things outside the box, you know. Unfortunately. Alternative, you know. Yeah, it kind of waters things down and everything gets diffused between all these people who want to have their hands on it or want to put their two cents in and it kind of... Yeah. Um, and, it and demographics, what you what audience you want, how many people, people are going to be watching, you know, you got to cater to, to everybody. And, you know, it's good in a way, but in another way, if it's done... Well, that's great, but you also have to have good stories, good writing, yeah. uh, good acting. That that's what really helps bring yeah. it together, you know, in any program. 
Agreed. And uh, dark, dark shadows, fortunately, they they had that that combination going. And I think that's a big reason why it continues to connect with people and people get caught up in the great stories and the great performances of the of the actors in the in the show. Um, Can you imagine so, having someone like uh, oh, uh, a Julia Hoffman today? Uh, that's <laughs> the thing. I don't think we would see somebody like Grayson Hall. Grayson or Hall would have apart. Like, no, no. Or Thayer David. I don't think we would have seen, uh, you know, more mature actors that um, maybe are not like traditional cookie cutter Hollywood, right. the, the right. look they're going for. And I, I think that's Dark Shadows actors were so distinctive in how they looked. Yeah. They were visually striking and, and memorable. Or Jonathan Fridd himself. Of course. I mean, of course, yeah. um, I, sh I showed a younger friend of mine Dark Shadows because she said, oh, my mother had a crush on Barnabas. And then she said, I watched the show. It was like, she she <laughs> was not very complimentary about Jonathan Frid's look, you know, right. and I said, well, I mean, he looked like a vampire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he had that gaunt kind of a look to right. him. But um, teen teenagers were going crazy for, for they Barnabas. They did, yeah. Teen Magazine and over and over again. <laughs> and, um, you know, I guess people's taste change and what's being uh, put out there on in in media is tends to be very kind of, to me, is kind of these days feels kind of generic a lot to me. Yeah. It just doesn't Cookie have cutter. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, so you wouldn't, yeah, like you said, they didn't follow the standard Hollywood, you know, yeah. they, they weren't the leading lady, leading man look. It was just you know, character types, which we also had in film and movies a lot, too, but they were character actors. Sure. Speaking of character actors, but you get people, even, you know, rugged individuals that became like Charles Bronson. <laughs> yeah. Right. They became stars, but they've started sure. out as character actors. Well, really. Even on, on Dark Shadows, you had that very, you know, some again, something you'd see in, in classic horror films, that very traditional hero and ingenue types like right. Joe and Maggie. I could see people who look like Joe and Maggie on TV today. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But and they, but they were great actors too in, in Dark Shadows. Kelly uh, Parker, Kath, Parker. Oh, yeah. Kelly right. Parker. Attractive woman there, but she was just had the character personality. Traditional you know? beauty. Yeah. But yet great, again, great backgrounds in acting and, and theatrical performances. And, but uh, Catherine Lee Scott too and, and uh, Joel Crothers were really good wow. actors. Wonderful. And, um, but those characters, I mean, once Barnabas became the star, they they kind of went on the back burner more and more. Yeah. Uh, they became the victims in in the show uh, because people wanted to follow the story of the, these outsiders and the monsters and what they were doing, uh, which was a huge first, I think, for television outside of comedy, like something like the monsters. I'm not counting that. I'm talking yeah, about nothing the drama. like that was was happening back then. You know, mm -hmm. you really yeah. stood out, and yeah. soap operas, you know, did not do things like this. You know. Mm -hmm. yeah time travel when you just think about it, they actually decided to go back in time play the sure. same roles it's just stunning you know and i have to wonder if the marvel monsters uh mm -hmm. you know if though because they became they they were the main characters of those titles you know the monster frankenstein and werewolf oh, by night sure. and uh you know tomb of dracula although dracula was not very a sympathetic character no, the, no. he was still a, a real bad guy in that but uh and the t uh, tales of the zombie I wonder if I, I I feel that Dark Shadows must have had an influence on on those Marvel monsters that came out in the seventies. Possibly, I don't know if any mm -hmm. of the authors mentioned them specifically. I mean, there might have yeah. been one or two that followed yeah. it, but I don't remember any specific discussion right. on, on that. Yeah. There may have been yeah. one or two of the writers, certainly, and some of the artists may have been aware of it too. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, it just followed that pattern. You know, there was a yeah. lot of uh, interest in that type of. Uh, 
story for, for a short while. It kind of like drifted after a while, but the horror stuff was big at one, at one yeah. point, right, right after Dark Shadows, actually, which is odd. Yeah, there was a seventies you know, horror. I mean, yeah, we had the horror craze in the sixties, but also in the seventies, it kind of. Yeah. My friend Raymond Castile and I talk about Dark Shadows. Kind of was a bit of a bridge there in terms of like going from the sixties monster mm-hmm. craze and then went to the seventies. And I think Dark Shadows was an important piece of that in terms of reigniting or continuing the interest in the monster culture and and oh, uh, the classic and horror stuff. Yeah. Horror stuff was all over in, in the sixties, like you said. Reruns of all the old. Universal movies, horror stuff. You had, of course, the Aurora models were huge. So kids were just, you know, very much into it, you know, and uh, gum cards. You had the creature. I think you had a couple of cards related to uh, horror. horror And the Aurora model kits, the Aurora model monster models. Models were big. And then going into the 70s with Dark Shadows kind of kind of carried, I think Ray said, carried the torch in, into the South for gothic horror into the 70s, because then we had Aurora, the Aurora reissue, the glow kits, Famous mm-hmm. Monsters was still going through the 70s. We had the uh, Azrak Hamley International, the AHI Universal Monsters action figures that they came out with. And then even going up to like very early 80s, I think that's in the early, like very early 80s, around 83, right. Lance Brick wrote an article for Scary Monsters magazine where he puts kind of the end of the monster craze in 1983. There was still a lot coming out through the 70s for the classic monster stuff, but then it kind of started to die down more and more. It fizzled um, out a bit, you know. Yeah, um, unfortunately. Planet of the Apes was huge. Oh, well, yeah, I love Planet big, of the Apes. You know, yeah, kind sure. of an offshoot of that. It was the, that was a huge, huge... Uh, I saw the first movie when it came out Roddy and all the others, but that was just tremendous. Again, I had no idea about what was going to happen. It was just stunning. Yeah. Roddy yeah. McDowell was great in that. He's another actor. I would have, he would have been great in Dark Shadows, Roddy McDowell. <laughs> yeah, no, it was yeah. a great show. Yeah. A great movie and great acting in that, yeah. in that first film. Sorry. Yeah. But no, there was a lot. Classic that film, was, yeah. Yeah. That was have the you, period, you know. Yeah. Just, have you seen the new Planet of the Apes movies? I haven't seen those. Have you? Uh, I just talked with a friend about the uh, first, uh, the one that came out some years ago, the Tim Burton. Oh, that was awful. That's Tim Burton, <laughs> just, leave. I told my friend and I said, I remember the ending. That was bad. He goes, I don't remember. I, I took everything and just went out of my head. I, to me, that was the, very that, disappointing. That was the first Tim Burton movie I saw. And I was like, oh. Tim Burton has lost it here because his early films, I really enjoyed a lot. I they thought were they really were, good, yeah. they were really great. I mean, he was. Edward, I think, was his best. Uh, oh, Edward was was you know, wonderful. Yeah, in the past number of years, it just I don't know. I will. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna wrap it up here. Uh, Nick, thank you again for joining thank me you. today to talk uh, it's about great to uh, discuss <laughs> all of this and and uh, enjoy talking about these wonderful characters and uh, somebody is. As enthusiastic as I, honestly. I'm, so it's great. It was a pleasure. I thank you for suggesting the topic in the first place. And I'm sorry it took so long to to make this happen, but I've I've been wanting to do this for quite a while, and I'm happy we finally did get to do it. I'd like to at some point. I know a few people have asked me if I'm ever going to do episodes on Gold Key Comics and the Ross novels, etc. But I'd love to have you on since you're a, a Gold Key co- Dark Shadows comic aficionado. Uh, I'd love to have you on for that one when we oh, do that you. at some point. <laughs> Wouldn't mind doing that. <laughs> uh, great. Oh, wonderful. I, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, so, Nick, and we can find you again at uh, is nick-caputo.blogspot.com. And do you have anything new coming up that you want to talk about? Uh, no, not offhand. I just did a new po- blog post on uh, uh, Roger Hill, who was an EC Comics uh, aficionado, studied it, and he passed. He wrote many books on comic books, but he was a big, big fan of the EC Comics line. 
And, uh, you know, I just wanted to pay a little tribute to him and uh, just doing my other research work and working on a couple of projects, uh, hopefully coming up soon. Oh, great. Well, thank you again, Nick. Uh, and be sure to check out Nick's blog. I will put a link to that in the show notes. And uh, folks, uh, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next time at Terror at Collinwood. And for as long as they lived, the dark shadows never truly vanished, for there will always be Terror at Collinwood. Terror at Collinwood is a Penny Dreadful production.